In the mid-1800s, in jolly old England, there was a man of the church who, at the peak of his career, was appointed the Bishop of Winchester. It's an impressive title with an impressive pedigree, but I think most of us would agree that it's a bit cumbersome for everyday conversation. And so, to those who knew him, he was called Soapy Sam. Soapy Sam was a pretty lively and engaging clergyman. He was an excellent conversationalist. He spoke out publicly against slavery. He even debated evolution with Charles Darwin himself. As you can imagine, Soapy Sam did a fair amount of writing. And after his death, while combing through his papers, one of his contemporaries stumbled upon a riddle. We don't know why he wrote the riddle or for whom, but it fascinated the people who discovered it. And so they decided to share the riddle with anyone they could. And now, dear listeners, today I'm going to share it with you. The riddle goes like this. I'm the sweetest of sounds in orchestra heard, yet in orchestra never was seen. I'm a bird of gay plumage, yet less like a bird, nothing ever in nature was seen. Touch the earth, I expire, in water I die, in air I lose breath, yet can swim and can fly. Darkness destroys me and light is my death, and I only keep going by holding my breath. If my name can't be guessed by a boy or a man, by a woman or girl, it certainly can. Intriguing, isn't it? It's very hard. Some might say it's darn near impossible. Go ahead, try to come up with an answer. And don't expect me to tell you what it is. Nope, no matter how hard you beg, I will not give the answer away. It's not that I'm a mean person or that I'm just choosing to be difficult. No, it isn't that at all. I won't tell you the answer because I can't. For whatever reason, Soapy Sam didn't include a solution to his riddle. It wasn't with the riddle itself, or hidden in a journal, or tucked in a secret drawer, sewn into a pocket, or penned on the bottom of a shoe. His contemporaries looked everywhere, and the answer could not be found. So they tried to solve the riddle themselves. They told everyone they could. It was even printed in pamphlets and local newspapers, but no one could figure out the answer. Since then, the riddle has been published in numerous books and newspapers. It's been published in literary journals and magazines. It's been taught in classes and analyzed by the cleverest minds in the world. It even made its way to Reddit. But in the over 170 years since this riddle was first discovered, no one has been able to solve it. In truth, we don't even know if an answer exists. But that doesn't matter, does it? Now that you know the riddle, you'll never stop searching for its answer either. Maybe not consciously, maybe not actively, but every once in a while, something will bring it back into your brain, and for a little while, you'll try to solve it. What came first, the chicken or the egg? How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Why is a raven like a writing desk? These are all phrases we remember forever. The circuit isn't closed. And so, even if we want to forget them, we can't. 
In this way, an unanswerable question is like an itch that cannot be scratched. You can try all the normal ways to rid yourself of it at first, but if none of them work, inevitably you'll end up drawing blood, or worse. People have scratched right through to the bone while trying to rid themselves of an unscratchable itch. The human mind just cannot accept that some answers simply cannot be found. The solution must be out there. And if one mind can't find it, another will pick it up, then another, and another, until finally the solution is found. That's how we solve cold cases, isn't it? So I'll say it again. I'm a bird of gay plumage, yet less like a bird. Nothing ever in nature was seen. Touch the earth I expire, in water I die. In air I lose breath, yet can swim and can fly. Darkness destroys me and light is my death. And I only keep going by holding my breath. If my name can't be guessed by a boy or a man, by a woman or girl, it certainly can. Will you be the one to solve Soapy Sam's riddle? Or will it simply itch your mind forever? I'm Holly. I'm Leslie. And we would be dead. this week yeah see we do them sometimes we we listen i have a whole list i don't always remember but i do have one and it's so exciting when we get to like check it off it's really exciting (laughs) so good so our loyal fiend just has requested this one several times which gets our attention (laughs) yes is this a jess with one s it is jess with one s okay yes (laughs) <laughs> she has asked for this episode um, a few times, and I finally sunk in. <laughs> we said, fine. As a couple other people have actually asked for it, too. When I went back and looked at our post, I was like, oh, people want this one. Okay. <laughs> they want it. They got it. They did. Even though the whole idea of what likely happened to these girls is one of my worst nightmares. Yes. We did it. This week, we are talking about the mysterious disappearances and eventual deaths of Chris Kramers and Lisanne Froon, better known by most as the Lost Girls of Panama. Mm. Yes, this is the one with the camera. Uh, And whether you know what I'm talking about or not, that phrase probably is scary enough on its own. (laughs) Yeah, I don't like it. I just got chills. It's really scary. (laughs) But before we begin this week's episode, I do have to remind everyone that, yes, a lot of podcasts have covered this case, but most of their coverage happened in, around, or before 2018. So it's kind of old. Okay, so yeah, so don't listen to it. (laughs) Or if you do, remember (laughs) that since then, this case has not only had some significant updates, 
but also quite a few corrections because a lot of the evidence has now become public domain, whereas before it wasn't. Right. So it's just all garbage. Just listen to this one. Yeah. Or if you already listened to theirs, also listen to ours. Yeah. You know. Everyone else's is garbage. (laughs) We can't say that, Leslie. (laughs) They are great, but ours is more. So it's less garbage. (laughs) Ours is not any garbage. (laughs) Anyway, our coverage probably won't align with theirs. Let's put it that way. You're not going to get the same thing. In addition to the updates and corrections, this case has been and continues to be a conspiracy theory magnet. Oh, my God. Conspiracy theory. I don't know that you're going to love these, but it's extremely important to think critically and keep our heads about us when diving into a case like this for that reason. It's very easy to be seduced by theories that give us a monster to chase. After all, having someone to blame means that something this terrifying could never happen to us. Just because a solution is gruesome or salacious, however, doesn't always mean that it's right. Mm -hmm. Above all else, we do have to remember that Chris and Lisanne were real people with real families, not a cautionary tale or worse yet, an urban legend. It is our responsibility to treat their story with care, not to inflate unfounded theories for clicks or to encourage dangerous gossip. So we're going to be good. No garbage. No garbage. We are, we are no, gar- nobody's garbage. Everybody is great. <sighs> we just have better sanitation practices. Good. I like it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Having integrity is exhausting. It really is. Integrity. <laughs> oh, no. I'm downright haggard. Which means. Yeah. That you need. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> I have under eye circles. Dull skin, puffiness, and I don't want any of it. Look at me. Yeah. I'm a pale specter. I don't want you to have it either. You look like garbage. (laughs) No, there's no garbage. (laughs) And I have tried every known remedy to stop being garbage. (laughs) None of them have worked. However, I do remember hearing the legend of one magical ingredient that can take care of all of these problems in one shot. That ingredient is just a little bit of validation. A hair worth dying on. No garbage. (laughs) Trademark no garbage. (laughs) Best of all, Leslie, our fiends can give us this priceless ingredient free of charge. Shut up. How? But how? You must be asking yourself. Yes. Shocking. Well, I will tell you. Simply head on over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and or a friendly review. It really is the only way to move this podcast forward. Ratings and reviews equal attention, attention equals support, and support equals more and better content for all of you. So cozy. It is cozy. But if you just cannot wait for more We Would Be Dead in your life, and who could blame you? Don't worry, you don't have to. You can support us over on Patreon. That was an unexpected turn you took. Oh, that's the theme this week, unexpected turns. Unexpected. Good job. Thank you. There for just a few dollars a month, you will gain access to our entire catalog of 30-minute horror movies, special mini-sodes, our weekly after show, Host Mortem, which is available in both video and audio formats. Maybe you want to see our faces. Maybe you don't. Both are okay. You'll also get a special gift in the mail from us, the opportunities to participate in giveaways, Merch deals, you can attend our monthly um, true crime documentary club, 
We're working on it. I want to say book because we keep saying yeah, it's yeah. like a book club. So I'm trying to take it out. Anyway, it's called Let's Talk Docs. And you can come and talk docs with us. It's really fun. No medical personnel will be there. <laughs> That's true. Well, we don't oh, know that. Me. I I take we, that back. We do have some medical patrons. We do. we do. So if they're there, we can ask them all kinds of questions. Anyway, you're going to want to do it. It's going to be really fun. You'll also get an on-air toast dedicated just to you and more. In all honesty, we are here thanks to our patrons. So come on over and be part of the We Would Be Dead family. Yeah, guys, we're figuring it out. Come hang with us. <laughs> One week at a time. We're doing our best. Yeah. Isn't that all we can ask? <laughs> and if all of that is a little too much for you, and who could tell why, you can simply follow us on social media. We are at Would Be Dead Pod anywhere and everywhere you get your content. You can like our posts, share our posts, like and share our posts. Ooh, holly. I know. It's like wow. a sexy one. Mm. Leave us a comment. Not a sexy comment because then it'll get flagged. Post about your favorite episode. Let us know when you're listening. Tell a friend. Tell a neighbor. Tell the walking tour guide at the nature center in our neighborhood. We live in a nice fictional place. I feel like we have one of those, right? Oh, man. Well, like, if it's a tour guide, I just want to say Tom, but... We love Tom the tour guide. Tom the tour guide. Okay, nature would be a... What's their name? So hard. I know. Well, I'm always drawn back to Gary. We already had a Gary. I know, but... We're out, in the, we're out in nature, having a tour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Maybe they, like, have bees on their property and they make their own honey. Maybe they, I don't know, they feel crunchy to me. Right, right, right. Mm. It's just hard because I know a Gary that does tour guides and has bees, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Maybe they, maybe they make baked goods in a stone oven in the woods. Maybe mm-hmm. they uh, weave fiber art from the threads of plants they find on their foraging trips sure or cook wild mustard greens that they gather you're just you're just describing gary Gary! (laughs) no another woman married to a gary that does these things her name mary no no her name is fran it's her friend larry there's a larry a jerry larry and gary it's all three of them the aries yeah, it's Jerry, Larry, Gary, and Mary, our nature yeah. tour guides. Okay. Yeah. Then all of those people can <laughs> become fiends, and we can all hang out together. It's a lot this week. Right. Everybody's welcome. It's fine. Now, uh, whew, I think that's all I have in the way of announcements for this week. Leslie, do you have anything to add before we begin? Should we talk about scheduling or? Mm, yeah, I guess. I okay. guess. Yeah. So we want to do a, uh, well, we're going to do a campfire. That's right. Live, right? And this is for everybody? Yeah, campfires are for everybody. Okay. Well. On the 8th. That's exciting for you guys. It's exciting (laughs) for all of us. So we're going to do a campfire on Thursday, February 8th at 8 p.m. Yes. And this is our YouTube live. We will post lots of links. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, we are hoping to have some, it may be a exciting guest with us, but it's going to be Valentine's Day themed. Yes. Yep. Because we're in the month of love. That's right. It's going to be so romantic and scary. And full of garbage. That No, no garbage. No garbage. <laughs> no garbage. <laughs> Leslie, her next shirt should just say garbage. <laughs> Love it. Everyone just thinks I 
really love the band. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, if you're new to this podcast, it's going to be a weird time for you right now. Yeah. But Campfire Stories are uh, live streaming nights that we do. You can attend live. We we read your comments. We talk about things. They are a time where we uh, usually talk about things we couldn't or wouldn't devote a whole entire podcast to usually. So it will be... Um, folklore-based or urban legends or cryptids and stuff like that, or it'll be a very short, several very short true crime cases that all connect to a theme. Um, they're really, really fun, and we like talking to you, so make sure you come on the 8th and hang out with us. All right. Sounds good. I think we got, is that good? Yeah, I think I want to change the name of the tour guide to Moonshine. That's way better. Yeah. I know that's what you were looking for, Holly. It was. It was. All right. Then. I just went real literal. <laughs> I li- I like it a lot. Yeah, you you couldn't get off of Gary. I just I know him too well. <laughs> oh no. All right then. On with the show. Wanderlust is a common affliction for beautiful women in their early twenties. They've completed most of their schooling, they're able to make money and travel on their own, and they want to spread their wings and see more of the world before settling into the next phase of their life. Chris Kramers and Lisanne Froon were no different. Both girls grew up in Amersfoort, Utrecht in the Netherlands, which for those keeping score makes them Dutch. If geography isn't your strong suit, and it's not always mine, we can play a little catch up for a moment. The Netherlands uh, is a European country that is also known as in some places as Holland. It is bordered by Germany, Bavaria, and the North Sea. The Netherlands is a pretty progressive place and is often ahead of the curve in terms of what Wikipedia calls social tolerance, a term I feel like they made up that refers to things like women's suffrage, same-sex marriage, lenient drug laws, and legal sex work. So, social tolerance. Hmm. Oh, Amsterdam is there? Yeah. So, in case you didn't know, that's, yeah, that's what we're talking about. All in all, it's a pretty cool place. There's tulips and windmills and wooden shoes and legal psychedelic mushrooms. And what more could you want, really? In a red light district. In the red light district, too. So you can have your mushrooms and your wooden shoes and then go do something real weird. Mm -hmm. Good times. Of course, I'm being silly. Aside from the eccentricities we like to focus on, all in all, the Netherlands is really a great place to grow up. In fact, it is generally ranked among the happiest countries in the world. Mm -hmm. They're just so happy there. We're so happy. I know. They've harnessed the wind. Yeah. There's universal health care and good public transportation. The social services system is very strong and the crime rate is low. The government even prioritizes a healthy work-life balance for its citizens. Mm-hmm. They push people, well, actually don't push. They, they support people working part-time jobs. Yeah. It's not expected of you to work full time in the Netherlands. Maternity leave is like Long. two years yep. or something. And they'll like support you till like the kids are in school. Yep. It's wild. And like fathers get off. It's just Yes, they do. Ugh. It's a pretty good place to be. Yeah. Uh it also this kind of healthcare system really makes it possible for people who want to have a family to do yeah. that, as opposed to like killing yourself to have a family. Mm-hmm. That is a whole lot more I can say than I can say for the United States. Mm-hmm. And it's not, they also don't just care about baby. They do a lot for the mom. Post-time. Oh, yeah. I learned. We do nothing sad. for mothers here at all. No, it's like after your six weeks, they're like, all right. See you later. Back to normal. No, it's not what you should be doing. But anyway, 
That means that Chris and Lisanne had a pretty lovely childhood. They are comfortable mm-hmm. and early adulthood, from what I can gather. The girls were well-liked and social. They were active. Lisanne was a competitive volleyball player. There are photos of them hiking, mountain biking, camping, dressing up for Halloween, going out with friends, spending time with their families, dating boys, eating at restaurants, going to the beach, and attending concerts. They have Facebook pages. They look totally normal. The girls always appear well-dressed and healthy, and neither of them had a history of any risky or dangerous behavior. They were pretty responsible, and that is backed up by all of their life. They just were pretty responsible girls. Of course, they like to go out and drink and have fun and party because they are in their early 20s, but like not in a scary way. Mm. So Chris and Lisanne wanted to travel together, they decided. They're 21 and 22. And they talk about it and they decide they want to go to Boquete, Panama. That's their destination of choice because they want to learn Spanish. Okay. Great. Plus the beaches are beautiful and the hostel there itself is like scenic, full of like hammocks and ferns and seaside views. There are lush, gorgeous jungles all around. And it really looks like a fun place to party. Hmm. Really does. Love that journey for them. Right. And of course they wanted to have fun at their age. They're going on a six-week vacation. But the girls didn't just want to go there for a little holiday. As I just mentioned, they wanted a six-week immersive stay with an emphasis on learning the language. And they were willing to work for it. Not something I would have really wanted at 21 or 22, but good for them. Lisanne and Chris lived together in a local student housing in Amersport, which this is also fun. Um, Lisanne had never lived on her own before, but she had just graduated from a local university and was still allowed to move in with Chris, who was finishing up her degree and was a current student. Okay. And they were both in student housing. They were in like a dorm. And she was no longer a student, but she could still live there. Nice. Because they're nice about everything. Both girls were psychology students, and they worked together at a local coffee shop. After deciding they wanted to go to Panama, the girls spent six months saving their coffee shop money and planning. That's serious. They also had a little financial help from Lisanne's parents who put money towards their trip as her graduation present. Okay. So, very nice. Now, here's where things can get a little muddy in regards to other coverage. The girls booked their entire trip through a Dutch travel agency and a Panamanian Spanish language school called Spanish at Locations. I'd say that the translation is snappier, but it's not. This is the one other language I could actually read, so I can tell you that it's not. Oh, and the locations are Costa Rica and Panama. Okay. The program stresses learning the language through immersion. Nowadays, Spanish at locations, which is still a business, is more focused on like fun vacation experiences and environmentalism. But 10 years ago, there was a little bit more emphasis on like helping local children. They kind of shifted. Their basic mission statement is, quote, we provide an inspiring Spanish language learning experience in locations that stand out for their relaxed atmosphere and surrounding natural and cultural beauty. We want to contribute to a more meaningful existence by investing in projects that our community, students, workers, friends, and fans consider important for the future of our planet. Ooh, I feel like there should be like some sparkles after that. I would love that. Maybe John can add some chimes. (laughs) Many, many, many sources say the girls were teaching Spanish to children at a school in Panama, which is insane because they didn't speak any Spanish. Right. And nearly everyone in Panama speaks perfect Spanish. So why would they need to be taught Why would they? (laughs) 
Thank you. Poor Spanish. Yep, yep. (laughs) The people who speak three words of Spanish. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why. And I read over that a few times and I was like, yeah, just skimmed over it. And then in retrospect, I'm going, that's nuts. They were definitely not doing that. How to speak Spanish like a Dutch girl. (laughs) (laughs) I just speak Dutch the whole time. They're like, this is Spanish. Yeah. In like a Spanish accent, but Dutch. <laughs> oh, God. I couldn't even try that. Oh, God. But the, but their goal was to learn to speak Spanish, too. So why are... Okay, anyway. Right, okay. So they did stretch the truth a little, though, which we will come back to. Some sources say that the girls were teaching English to young school children in Panama, which is something that people do. Right. And something that this program does. But it's also kind of a stretch considering English is not their first language. Right. The girls were Dutch. They spoke Dutch. That's how it works. Yeah. They spoke English, too. They were not native speakers, though. Mm-hmm. I do not know that they'd necessarily teach English. Right, but maybe that's the, like, the little stretch that they no, use. It's not. It's not. No. Okay. But I wish it were. Mm-hmm. There are for sure options to teach kids English, obviously, like I said, but that's not what they were doing. We are getting warmer, though. Still, a third speculation is that the girls were working as social workers in Boquete. The Dutch are great with social work, as I mentioned before, and both the girls studied psychology, so I can see where you're coming from there, but that's not what they were doing either. It is kind of close, though. In reality, the girls planned a six-week trip to Panama. They planned to spend two weeks exploring and then travel to Boquete, where they would stay with a host family, attend Spanish classes, and volunteer at a local daycare called Garderia Ora. Spanish at location states that, quote, homestays are an essential part of an immersion Spanish course, as is working and engaging with the community. So basically, you're encouraged to stay outside your comfort zone and speak Spanish all the time. This is a common and effective way to learn a language if you have the means and fortitude. Mm -hmm. Volunteering with younger kids probably seemed like it would require the lowest level of conversational Spanish. I would imagine you'd think like, oh, they're like babies. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Plus, kids are really cute and fun, and helping them is something the girls really connected with. Their responsibilities at the daycare would be assisting social workers who worked there. Okay. Because in Panama, people who work at these daycares were social workers. So that's where that came from. Basically, they would be playing with kids, helping with mealtimes and other caregiving responsibilities. But the job did very clearly require intermediate Spanish, Mm -hmm. which they did not have. Right. But they just kind of figured like, nah, we'll say we do and get by. Right. It's not a great plan. No. Not when you don't have intermediate Spanish. The school, however, was concerned. They didn't love this. Turns out they really wanted that intermediate Spanish. It's probably a lot um, safer for that. It's probably a safety issue when dealing with small children who can't communicate their needs effectively to not speak their language. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Things didn't go super as planned. Here's what happened. Chris and Lisanne arrived in Panama on March 15th, 2014. They hung out in Bocas del Toro, spending time on the beach, sightseeing, trying local food, and definitely local cocktails. They went shopping, they went out dancing, and they even met a couple Dutch boys who they could definitely talk to. Okay. And they spent a good amount of time with these guys. If you've seen the photos of the girls on a beach with a giant starfish, this is, the, this is where they are at this point in time. Um, and that would be Chris's last Facebook profile photo. But they did have Spanish class during this time. They still had to attend classes. Some of them were like, I think via Skype and some were at like an actual school. So it wasn't all just wild party times and fun and games. They were trying to learn the language. After those two weeks, they boarded a boat and traveled to Boquete. 
And here's a little bit about their new location. Boquete is a small mountain town in the province of Chiriqui, situated on the banks of the Caldero River. Their main export is coffee, apparently the best coffee in the world, if you ask them. And their main import, their other main import is uh, tourists. So Boquete is a pretty mixed bag of a place. There's a thriving indigenous community, but also a lot of um, expats, immigrants, and retirees from other countries. There are hostels and camping spots and miles and miles of untouched cloud forest teeming with rare birds, sloths, and monkeys. Ooh, fun. Right. But there are also five-store resorts and high-end restaurants populated by mostly wealthy Europeans, Canadians, and Americans. Right. So you really can choose your own adventure in Boquete, which is nice. But you also could probably encounter just about any kind of person, mm-hmm. which means you probably have to be careful in some situations. Mm-hmm. Although it is generally considered to be a safe place. Okay. According to all the travel websites I looked at. Chris and Lisanne arrived in Boquete on Saturday, March 29th. They then connected with Spanish at locations, who then connected them with their host family, which is a warm and kind woman named Miriam Guerrera. Guerra? Sorry. I think I have this typed wrong. We're just going to call her Miriam and her children. Miriam hosted students all the time, too. So she was very, very used to accommodating young folks with a language barrier. Just like liked doing it and they probably get paid for it. So, you know, it's all good. The girls both say in their diaries, which are now available, you can, we know what their diaries said, that they felt weird living in somebody else's house. They were like kind of uncomfortable at first, but not because the family wasn't nice. They just thought it was weird. Yeah. And, um, but they, they found the people to be welcoming. Chris and Lisanne shared a Spartan bedroom at Miriam's house. There were two beds, a couple of little folding tables, a bookshelf, which they used to stack their clothing on, and a folding chair. So it's like bare bones. Miriam fed the girls and provided them with transportation and any kind of assistance they found themselves in need of. So she was a really good host mom. She did a good job. In later interviews, Miriam said that the girls were very nice and shy and that Chris arrived feeling under the weather. Apparently, she had the sniffles, and there are some arguments as to whether she had um, asthma or not. No one confirms that, and we didn't find an inhaler anywhere, but for some reason it's tossed about. Okay. I don't know. On that Monday, they traveled to Garderia Ora, where they were to report for their first day of work. So they're all dressed in their outfits and ready to go. Exciting. Right. But when they got there, the administrator was very clearly not expecting them. Mm. She was like, I'm sorry, who are you? Oh, boy. And in both of their diaries, they say that they did not feel welcome there and that they were not very nice to them. Mm. Apparently, despite the confirmation given right before they left, because they got confirmation emails, this school didn't have volunteer positions for Chris and Lisanne. On top of that, the staff was very bewildered by the fact that the girls spoke virtually no Spanish. I feel like that's why the school didn't try to accommodate them anyway. Right. Okay. Like they probably could have put them. I don't know this for a fact, but like I feel like volunteers are something you can kind of always accommodate. Yeah. But they didn't speak any Spanish. So I think they were like, no. Or they were like, we do need volunteers, but no, we don't, we don't have any openings. I also, I think that's <laughs> yeah. also possible. They rolled up and couldn't talk to them. That's yeah. like, okay, this is very strange. I can't prove that for a fact, but I do think it played a hand in the situation. Uh, Lisanne said at her diary that the daycare that they, that they were to work at had worked for them the following week, but not that week. And that the school was none so happy to see them. She also said that the only thing they could understand the administrator saying was the phrase, no proxima semana, which means no next week. <sighs> but do you think that it meant no next week? Next week. That's what they thought. Okay. 
But according to like further talks with the school, it was no, not not at all. Right, right. Okay. I think they might have said like, no, no next week. No, no come back. Bye. And they're probably talking almost like broken Spanish to hopefully get them to understand. So I think there was a miscommunication there as well. Okay. They thought they had volunteer work lined up for the next week and now they had this gap, basically. So they call the Spanish school who are also confused. They're like, oh, we thought that you had a volunteer position too. That's weird. Um, And they were like, we'll try to get you a place at another school. But every school wanted people who spoke intermediate Spanish and they never, never really did speak intermediate Spanish. So they couldn't find a place at all. So now, very disappointed and not exactly flush with cash, Chris and Lisanne had time to kill. That Monday afternoon, to their sadness, they uh, to dull their sadness, sorry, they went and got a full body massage from a Dutch woman that worked in the area. Which is Dutch? I know. Which I was like, is this shady? But no, it's not. Woman's name is Sigrid. She's not shady. She's yeah. just the lady that gives massages. And then they went about making plans to fill their time. And there's lots of touristy things to do in this place. There's coffee plantations and a strawberry farm. Yeah, that sounds nice. And, of course, there are hikes through the famous cloud forest. There's even a volcano. Wow. Yeah, an active volcano. Oh. It hasn't erupted in a long time. Terrifying. I know. I'd be like, I don't want to go near that volcano. You don't know what's going to happen. They booked tours uh, for, like, the next week just to go see things and do stuff, but nothing for the next day, which was Tuesday, April 1st. They had inquired about a guided tour of the cloud forest with a local guide, but after he told them all about it, he was like, so I'm going to take you there. We'll go all around. Then we go up to my ranch and I tell you some stuff there and you guys can spend the night and go back down afterwards if you want and it's going to be a good time. And they were like, no, gracias. Oh, sounds lovely. I know, but they did book a walking tour with him on the following day, which would be Wednesday, April 2nd. Okay. They so just they, didn't want to like sleep over. I think so. I think they're like, that's a lot, but <laughs> yeah. we'll do another thing. <laughs> it is important to note that during this time, the girls had been in constant contact with their parents and friends every single day. They called, they texted, they Skyped. They also kept very detailed diaries that included the places they went and the names of the people they met along the way. They talked about what they ate and their feelings about everything that happened. We know what they were up to. Right. The girls were taking Spanish classes, and therefore they also checked in with their Spanish language school almost daily. And after their volunteering failure, they were also in contact with their travel agency. It's all very transparent. We we know. Mm-hmm. Up until this point, they would have been very easy to locate at a moment's notice. This is nothing like Brittany Drexel. So we're at April 1st, the day of their disappearance. With nothing to do and oh, so very much time, the girls decided they were going to, they were going to actually hike the cloud forest on their own that day. Interesting. No guide. Okay. Which you can do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a trail, a marked trail. I'm guessing they realized that that was a possibility that you could take Il Pianista Trail without a guide. And they thought, well, we can save the money. They planned a trip. They went to their Spanish school and used their free Wi-Fi to look up how to like get there and have a little afternoon excursion. And they woke up that morning, took a taxi into town to a local restaurant that they went to a lot for breakfast. They then went back to their Spanish school and used the Wi-Fi again to solidify their plans. They posted on Facebook while were th- while they were there that they planned to walk around Boquete on that day. Chris also texted her boyfriend and told him that they planned to go on a hike. So they were being very transparent. 
Then they called a taxi, which drove them the nine kilometers to their destination, Il Pianista. Now, the trail itself begins at a local restaurant, also called Il Pianista, where you can fuel up before you head out to the jungle. And restaurant is a generous term. It's like a little shacky cafe that's right at the trailhead. (laughs) So once you leave the cafe, you head straight out into a field where you walk for about 15 minutes on a trail before you enter like deep, dense, straight up jungle. It's not a slow descent into this jungle. Once you walk in, you're in. Mm -hmm. And the trail is pretty straight forward. It's an upward walk to the summit, El Mirador, at which point you are to turn around and go back. The girls arrived at around 11 o'clock in the morning. They stopped at the cafe and met the owner's dog, Azul, which means blue. Mm -hmm. So we call it blue. Uh, And blue really took a shine to them. Blue was like, I like him. Wag, 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 lick, lick, lick. And they were like, this dog's cute. Now, Azul often followed hikers out onto the trail. He was like a free-range dog and super friendly. So he decided that that day he was going to follow Chris and Lisanne on their walk. Nice. What a cute little thing to have a little dog to come with you. Yeah. I think that's nice. They departed the cafe shortly after they arrived. So they didn't hang out there. They just left. And they passed a few Dutch tourists. Again, the Dutch are all over the place. I guess so. On their way. Must be a holiday for them. (laughs) I see what you did there. Like a good holiday sauce. Mm -hmm. Anyway, these Dutch tourists looked at them and they were like, you guys should not be doing this alone the way you are. Like, don't. This is dangerous for you. Don't do it. And they were like, okay, people, and ignored them because they're young, athletic, experienced travelers, and they thought we're going to be fine. Right. It's never a good sign when they're like, turn back now. And you're like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I'm sorry. What year is this? 2014. 2014. And they're in their 20s. Mm -hmm. So they're millennials, right? Mm Mm-hmm. They're just like living their best narcissistic life right now. Pretty much. Yeah. That's what everybody is in their 20s. Yeah. Fine. Did I not say what year it was? I thought I did. I think you did. I just for it, It's okay. It was a while ago. That's fine. <laughs> if I didn't, it's 2014. It's not long, long ago, far, far away. Mm-hmm. Which is hard to remember during this case because it feels like, oh, well, you know, they, they didn't have the means of communication, but they totally did. They had everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Chris and Lisanne were dressed very similarly that day. They both were wearing shorts, tank tops, and hiking boots. They carried one backpack with one bottle of water. And I mean like a disposable bottle from a store, not like a big old Stanley or something. And no food. They don't have their canteen. Oh, they got nothing. Both girls had cell phones. It is recommended that all hikers who go out on the Pianista dress in layers and bring food and water. The temperature drops significantly as you climb, and if the sun begins to dip down, the forest will become quite cold. And a lot of people go up there to watch the sunset, which is scary because then you go down in the dark. I don't like that. In the jungle. Yeah, they do it with a guide, but still, like, that's scary. I don't want to be in the dark jungle. Well, I guess, I mean, if they're doing it with a guide, it's probably There are animals. I know. God. Believe me. I'm not doing it, but. Me neither. But, you know, it's hard to know what you're supposed to bring on a day trip, isn't it? Yeah. Leslie, you did some international traveling recently. Yes, I did. You know how to get by in the jungles of, uh, where was it you went? Uh, Je voyage à Paris. Pali. <laughs> Very <laughs> jungly. <Yeah. laughs> okay, well, maybe 
And it's still travel, right? Yeah. So maybe you can tell us how it would be good to prepare. Okay. So I think it's like the same stuff, whether you're going to the the jungles or Paris or New York City. Bring the same stuff. Yeah. Or Montana. Which is not what you need. One water bottle and a tank top. Um, Always tell someone or someones where you are going. Have them follow your location too. That's smart. Yeah. And they did that. Like they always, people, I mean, I don't know that people followed their location, but like people knew. Yeah. They didn't tell their parents or anybody where they exactly they were going hiking. Right. But I think the Spanish school knew that they went to Il Pianista. Mm -hmm. So somebody knew. Yes. Um, You kind of mentioned this already. So like pack accordingly. So layers are always great. Very smart. Um, some type of like rain gear is good to have. That would have been very smart. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just a trash bag of some sort. Just put a trash bag on your head. And You're fine. from what I understand in Panama, it can get like real wet there often. It's very rainy. This is yeah, a rainforest. Is, yeah, it's a jungle. Um, so, you know, I always like to travel with, well, I always like a comfortable shoe. Of course. You don't want, um, you want a low heel at the most. This would require a serious yeah. hiking boot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, a good pair of comfortable boots. Mm-hmm. A little bit of waterproof there is essential. They you did don't... well on the boots. I'll give yeah. them that. Okay. All right. And then uh, I always I always like to see, so like when I was going to Paris, I was like, okay, how do the locals dress? Because mm-hmm. you don't want to look like a tourist Mm-mm. and you want to blend in. Oh, and I would back. assume in the jungle, it's also good to kind of like, blend in with your environment because there's like living creatures out there that want to attack you but then nobody will see you yeah i know but it's still safer generally you could have outfits with you that'll like like alert yeah like a neon in the dark you know bring a reflective vest for later exactly but i would think that for safety wise it's good just to blend in okay you know people don't come at you you know that you don't want animals won't coming at you. you. Stay frosty. Yeah. Especially like in a city, you know, but mm-hmm. in a jungle too, you got. Sure. Anacondas. You don't want them at you. you oh, know? God. Um, make sure that you have your passport, your license, and some local money on you. That's always helpful to have. They you did. want identification. I don't think they had their passports with them, but they had money. Yeah. I just, I remember that being like the main thing. Like, just always have that with you. Yeah. Don't leave it. Don't leave the house without it. I think they might have left them in yeah. their room. Um, Stay hydrated. Always. Always stay hydrated. We always had water bottles with us. We always had, like, we always knew that we'd have access to it. Mm-hmm. And, like, or, like, our, like, Stanleys, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> our Yetis. Yep. <laughs> um, I always carried, like, electrolyte packets as well. Smart. Um, And then... Because you just never know when you and the girls are going to down a bottle of wine, you know? So you've got to stay hydrated. You do. Um, or I guess like in the jungle, you just never know when you'll have access to safe water again. So That's like true. you could also, they do make like filtration, like traveling filtration packets or something. That would have been very smart, yes. Things. Um, but I do know that, like I'm pretty sure that you could also boil water. So as long as it's like one to three minutes, you can get out like any bacteria or parasites. Yeah. Don't travel alone. People, it's like Like, a trendy thing to do. Don't do it. But just don't do it. Travel is always more fun with friends. And if you get lost, it's nice to have someone there in case you get hungry. I mean, injured or lonely. (laughs) 
<laughs> Especially if they look like a snack. Ooh, it's such a snack. <laughs> Bring your snackiest friend. <laughs> For lots of reasons. Lots of reasons. Yeah. Uh, bring a first aid kit. So I always like to pack smart. band-aids, sanitizers, natural neosporins, maybe like especially like a blister band-aid. Yep. That's good. Very smart. Um, but I would think you're gonna pack a few more things if you're going to the jungle. Yeah, man. <laughs> maybe like a splint or like a lot of gauze or <sighs> some sort of wraps, a things like venom that. Re- like yeah. thing. Yeah. Whatever they give you, antivenom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, bring a camera. So normally your phone has it. Maybe mm-hmm. you want like a separate camera. Extra charging packs too. Yeah, batteries. Mm-hmm. Key. Um, snacks. So besides a yeah, friend, man. also bring <laughs> like real, real food snacks. snacks. Like a granola bar or yeah. something would be great. Trail mix, protein bars, a banana. Um, I have, so I have a friend that's vegan. And so like this isn't them traveling to like another country, but it's just them like, out in the world generally like whenever they're going anywhere especially in our area for a while we didn't have like a lot of vegan food options um even at like if you know they can't like just walk into a wawa and get like a nutritious meal Mm -hmm. so they always packed um an avocado a can of coconut milk and some nuts and that would just get them through like the day it would be like so energizing there you go so that's that's all you need can of coconut milk, an avocado, and some nuts. Bananas grow out there. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, peel it like the monkeys. Mm-hmm. Upside down. You, you peel, peel a little banana. Yeah, it's great. You're fine. Um, I like to bring a book. So ah, You might get bored. You might get bored, Um, but the book could be a survival guide, you know? Smart. You know? Yep. Traveling guide, but like I like to bring a fiction. <laughs> I like a nice escape moment. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. <laughs> Um, I always like to have some sort of itinerary as well, mm-hmm. like marked Make down. A plan. So it doesn't need to be like super set in stone, but just so that like, this is our area. This is where we're at. Here are the things around it. This is what we'd like to hit. And that way, like we know what we're doing day to day. And that way, you know, if somebody needs to know, they also have our itinerary. Which is why week. this was probably such a disorienting time for the girls because they were normally very planned Mm. and they had an extremely structured itinerary that people did know what they were doing but it included go to the daycare work all day go to spanish class come home and then that wasn't an option right so suddenly everything just opened yeah gotcha gotcha um and then something that i always like to think about so no matter where you are like so these are all things that like I travel with anyway. Right. Right. Because whether you're in the jungle or the city or just or the like, urban jungle or the wink, ur- what? <laughs> or even just like walking around your town. It's good. Like just you could get lost. You could. You I could, could get, get lost, lost at any moment. And there could be it could be hard. You could be like in a scary place where you don't want to like stop and ask anybody anything. Mm-hmm. You're just like trying to find your way. So you want to make sure that like you have certain essentials with you to like sure. just keep going for a while. But the most important thing is to remember the acronym STOP. Ooh. And STOP stands for the S is STOP. Mm-hmm. Remain calm and analyze the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, T is think. Decide what you need to do to survive. Mm-hmm. The O is observe. Survey the terrain and look for familiar landmarks. And then P is plan. Figure out the next best course of action. Don't wait until dark to plan. So that's a good one. The main thing is like most people when they get lost or that that 
find that get into trouble like very quickly yeah. are the ones that like just freak out initially because mm-hmm. like that's not going to help you're going to just start doing a bunch of things you might end up turning yourself around without realizing it mm-hmm. um so like just the minute that you realize like mm, i'm not sure that we're going in the right direction just pause and regroup like stay calm that's very smart work with like your partner figure mm-hmm. it out trace some things back but like they also say too like if you are so like jungle wise like yeah or forest wise like if you really do feel fully lost like almost just like stay put for a while yeah yeah and then because like if somebody is like hey they didn't come back they might be able to like trace you to back come find you instead of like getting deeper like accidentally getting deeper into yep. an area so that's the thing and then um holly you asked me this before because you were like how would someone like splint yes if what you if broke, you did break your foot or something you broke a foot or a leg or something like that how would you like splint if you didn't have anything yes what do you do so this is why if you're going to go into the jungle you bring things well yes but no um so this is how you would splint and uh <laughs> immediately i went to Truth beverly hills in my brain <laughs> oh goodness <laughs> but anyway so you're going to cut away clothing if it cannot be removed without moving the injured body part okay you want to stop any bleeding by applying gentle pressure. Cover the open wounds with a clean dressing before splinting if you have one. Mm-hmm. Um, pad the injured joint with like jackets, sleeping bags, or clothing. Okay. So that's going to be your padding. Include the joint above and below the injury in the splint. That helps keep things like from moving around. Got it. Then you're going to make a splint with two straight objects. So like depending on where you're at, like some suggestions are like, ski or hiking poles, tree branches, canoe paddles, anything that you're using in your, like, in that area. Hiking poles are strongly recommended for this hike as well. Okay. They did not have them. Well, and they could have used, well, I don't know what happens to them. But, um, and None then, of us do. Yeah. And then you're going to position them around the fracture. Then you want to tighten the split using a belt or ropes or whatever is available. So sure. that's also probably good to have, like, belts or ropes with you yep. on, like, a hiking you're going to keep the injured limb tied tightly to begin the long, slow hike out. And then check the splint ties frequently to make sure they do not hinder circulation. That's also a big one, too, like to check circulation of right. like what's going on. And that's a little easier if, like, you don't have bones and stuff, like, sticking out. Um, but, yeah, that's generally it. Or if you need to have to, like, like replace them you know put them back into place yeah, injuries are not uncommon on this trail it's very slippy slippery and muddy and it's a high climb yeah so people get hurt a mm-hmm. lot yeah i like to travel with a with an ankle brace <laughs> i like to travel with a medic if I at all possible i just got bird bird ankles you do <laughs> none of my joints work properly so yeah <laughs> carry me <laughs> But yeah, so those are those are some of my travel tips. Those are very good tips. I appreciate them yeah. all. Maybe like a cute hat. A hat is actually a very smart. Yeah. They were not wearing hats. Sunglasses too. They had sunglasses, okay. but no hats. And head cover would have been a very good idea, yeah. but they didn't mm-hmm. have any. I mean, if you look at people that hike this trail, and there are plenty of pictures of people who do it, they do it all the time. They are usually very much dressed for it. They usually have layers, at the very least, pants. Yeah. They usually have head coverage. They Mm -hmm. usually have a backpack full of supplies. They usually have food and extra water. And 
the virtue of bringing a guide is the guide comes equipped with first aid and a machete and all the stuff that can whack you through the jungle if there's a fallen tree or something. Mm -hmm. They not only know where to go, but they also can get you out of a bind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't really see a lot of people just in shorts and tank tops doing this. Is that what they were wearing? Yeah. So I know, like, because my first thought, like, hiking in, I don't know if I, okay, so my first thought would be to wear protective clothing yeah, because of the mosquito, well, the like, malaria. There's a lot of mosquitoes out there, too. Yeah. And spiders. There's <laughs> so many spiders. I know, I hate it, but it's true. It. And this hike is also an average of four hours long, and it's an active four hours in an ever-changing yeah. altitude. Remember, this is mountainous. I'll right. describe it in a minute, but most travel sites also recommend that hikers that do the Pianista download a GPS or Maps app on their phone that does not require having service, as there is no service on this trail. Oh, so that's another thing. When when we were going places, we mm-hmm. would always get the, we would always like load up the GPS first. Mm-hmm. And that way, if we ever lost service, we still had it like, like yeah. we had all the the directions still, which is very smart. And there are apps that you don't that don't require service for their GPS or maps. Mm-hmm. Now you can get yeah. them. Um, they they didn't have that either. And also, just an FYI for you guys, if you have at this point an iPhone 14 or above, there is an emergency satellite feature so that you can call for help if you're in remote places with no service. If you have an iPhone, you couldn't then, but you can now. And this trail is certainly remote. It's often traveled, but if you take Mm -hmm. the hike, you'll probably see a couple people here and there, but it's not like you have cell service. So what is this place they're hiking through? I've kind of teased about it, but I haven't really described it. It is called the Cloud Forest, which sounds like a Mario level where everything's pink and you bounce. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, you know, it's not. It's, It's a rainforest, just foggier and higher up. It is a hazy, ethereal ecosystem of lush jungle, steep mountainous terrain, and frequent rain that has you literally walking into and then above the cloud level. Okay. Oh, which that's is cool. really cool, right? It, yeah. it does seem like an awesome thing to do. The forests um, also surround the highest point in the country, which is Volcan Baru, a large volcano situated on the border between Panama and Costa Rica that is considered active, but last erupted in the 16th century. So. Okay. It's not like doing a lot right now. There's a lot of ways to explore that area, but the girls chose Il Pianista Trail, probably because you can do it without a guide. I absolutely wouldn't, but I have something called directional dyslexia, which means my brain doesn't make any maps, so I should never go anywhere without a guide. But they didn't, so they decided to save the money. And despite what some might say, this is not a beginner hike. There are some people like, this is a beginner, it's fine. It is not. It is 4.9 miles. It travels more than 2,000 feet in elevation. So you're going up. Oh, wow. Far. It takes anywhere from three and a half for very advanced hikers that don't stop at all to five hours for hikers who like to take selfies or walk a little slower to eight hours for hikers that have some, you know, revised abilities. And it's not a loop. It's an out to the summit and then turn around and go back. The trail is not incredibly obvious in some places, and it does appear to branch off at several points, and there is no clear marker of which branch you're supposed to take. In addition to that, there are a few well-worn animal trails that can fool you into thinking they're meant for people, but they're not. They're just monkeys and sometimes jaguars. Good. Yep. That's why it's good to blend into this environment. Right. Hide from the jaguars. Got it. 
You don't want them coming at you. I really don't. Your money. <laughs> they will steal your money. Yeah. They won't eat you. They'll no. just steal your cash. They'll they'll be like, that's a tourist. Go take that money. Get that money. Get that garbage. <laughs> no garbage. <laughs> the summit, or Il Mirador, as it is locally known, or in English, the lookout, sits on the continental divide and boasts some of the best views in the country. Should you catch it at a moment when the clouds part. But you do go above the clouds. So what you're seeing is clouds below you stretching out. And if they are not dense that day, you can see like everything. It's really beautiful. Okay. So once you reach El Mirador, pat yourself on the back, take a few pictures and um, look at the sign that marks that the trail is over, which means it's time to turn back around and go out the way you came. There are trails that lead down the other side of the mountain, though, which suggests that you could keep going. But these trails are not really meant for sightseeing. Most of them are used by indigenous people in the area, the Ngobe Bugle. They trek through the mountains to get supplies from town and then trek back to their village. And this can take days. And the paths are treacherous to anyone who is unfamiliar with the area. These are people who have done this their whole lives. They can negotiate the landscape. You probably can't. This trail also will not lead you back into Boquete or any other local town for that matter. It just winds around deeper and deeper and deeper into the jungle. Hmm. You're not getting out at the end. If you do happen to try your hand at these trails and get lost, it should be noted that you can't just follow the river back to civilization either. Most of the time, this rule is pretty golden for hikers. If you find yourself lost and there's a body of water, follow it and it'll take you out, right? No, not there. In this location, you'll only end up wandering for miles and miles and miles through indigenous territory before supposedly you end up at the mouth of the Culebra River in the Caribbean Sea. That means, that means the snake river. Ew. Yep. Ew. Sorry. <laughs> and if you think you can find a detailed map of this area, well, you can't. Even the best trail maps I can find don't have all of the rivers, rivers in all of the locations labeled and... Smaller connecting streams aren't even on all the maps. Many, many people have gone through great lengths to figure out the where these trails go and where the girls ended up landing. Uh, and even these people who trekked them themselves just call these bodies of water a river. Mm. So it's pretty maddening and very easy to get confused. Wow. But the girls filled up to the challenge in their tank tops and they forged onward through the beautiful jungle. Time presses on. They go on their hike, okay? Early that evening, as the sun was sinking in the sky, Blue bounded into the cafe to greet his owners. They smiled at him and looked for the girls, but they did not see them. They thought they'd be wandering in at any moment, looking for a tall glass of water and a meal. That's why mm -hmm. the cafe is there. Good thinking, right? Yeah. But they didn't come. And Blue was known for staying right on the heels of the people that he chose to follow. But the girls were nowhere in sight, and this seemed strange to the cafe owners. They kept their eyes out for the girls to return for a little while longer, but then just kind of went about their lives, and they never saw them return. Ooh. Yeah. They also did not return to Miriam's house before she went to bed that evening. But this was not Miriam's first go-round with students in her home, and it wasn't weird for them to come back in the wee hours of the night. Maybe they went, met, they made friends, maybe they were at a bar. Whatever. Sometimes kids are out late. She paid no mind. Then she rose the next morning and went about getting herself ready for the day and even left breakfast out for the girls, who she assumed were sleeping in. Mm. 
because mm-hmm. they must have been out really late. But a few moments later, she heard a knock at her door. Miriam answered and found a man in his mid-50s who introduced himself as Feliciano. He was a local guide. And he told her that two girls who were staying at this address had made reservations for an 8 a.m. walking tour with him and failed to show up. He wanted to know if they were okay and if they wanted to possibly reschedule. I guess he didn't have a phone number for him. I don't know. Miriam then went into the girl's room to get them and discovered that they were not there. In fact, it looked as though they hadn't been home at all. Again, this really didn't phase her, though, because kids stay out late, but sometimes they also crash with their friends. So Miriam was like, oh, okay, so they stayed overnight somewhere. What, yeah. Why are you worried? But Feliciano did not like the looks of this situation at all. And so he went to the language school to inquire about the girls further. Because they booked, remember, they booked through the language mm-hmm. school and stuff. The language school didn't know where the girls were either. And they were most certainly concerned about their whereabouts. They told Feliciano that they had gone hiking the previous afternoon. And that was the last time anyone had heard from them. They, these are also the people who knew they went to Mm -hmm. Upianista. So they knew where they went. Feliciano was like, I was going to take them there. And they said, no, this is not great. Feliciano does a bit of looking around before returning to the language school again that evening, at which time they decide it's time to do something. So Feliciano phones the local police and the school calls the girls' families. Okay. But the girls' families are a little confused, again, because the language school is like, oh, they, they weren't home or whatever. And they're like, is that, a, is that a problem? Can you not find them? I don't understand. Did they, are they out on like a, a, an adventure or something? They didn't really understand that it was a problem right away. Right. They just knew that they weren't at a tour they were supposed to go on. Yeah. And the police say, <laughs> the police do that thing where they're like, they probably ran away. Except this time they're like, they're out partying. Right. I don't, I don't like it. Yeah. But they do, in these phone calls, realize that no one has heard from Chris or Lisanne since around 11 o'clock on the previous morning. Mm-hmm. So they've been total radio silence. And now it's getting dark for a second time. Okay. Which is a bit concerning to the parents. They're like, we, we really, now that you say it, we haven't talked to them and they were in constant contact with us mm-hmm. and we haven't heard from them in more than 24 hours at this point, which was strange. So the next morning when the girls still hadn't returned, everyone pretty much started admitting that something was wrong. Okay. Everyone except the police, of course. <laughs> and Sinaproc or Sinaproc, S-I-N-A-P-R-O-C, all caps, Panama's disaster relief branch of the government. They're like FEMA in Panama. All of those people were like, uh, come on, they're off doing something fun. It's just, we need to wait. They also told them that in Panama, you need to wait 48 hours before reporting someone missing, Mm. which is wild. It's not 48 hours anywhere, but that's what they were told. But locals and the trail guides that Feliciano knew felt very differently. And dozens of people set out to search the pianista. Feliciano was among them, of course. And so were a lot of locals and indigenous guides. These are the people who responded first, keep that in your mind, and went out and looked for the girls when nobody else would do it. Mm. Okay? Because we're going to turn on them hard later, and I don't love it. So these are also people who knew the area, and they searched for four days and found nothing before the government finally stepped in. On April 6th, the Kramers and the Froons arrived in Panama, so... Family is now there. They're like, fuck this, we're coming. Mm -hmm. 
And they brought with them some Dutch detectives. They were like, reinforcements, please do something. Right. Because they're Dutch citizens, so. And the Dutch are great, as we have learned. Mm -hmm. Sineproc decides that, oh, like, that's the day they're going to leap into action. Probably has nothing to do with the fact that the family is now there with Dutch Mm -hmm. detectives. But, you know, whatever. They were going to do it anyway. And they went about their search really strangely. Sineproc goes, all the guides and locals have to get off the mountain and clear the whole thing so we can conduct our own search and you don't interfere with it. Even though all of these people were perfectly happy to continue the search and help them. Usually it's the more the better when it comes to a search, but they made everybody leave. They also only allowed the Dutch detectives in as far as the Mirador. But beyond that, on the other side, they said they were not allowed to go. But that's where they were. We don't know that yet. At this point, we don't know that. We only know that they went up Il Pianista and they never came back. I got you. Okay. So Cineproc conducted a ground search and aerial searches. So they had helicopters coming in and circling. But they did not go beyond the limits of the Pianista Trail. So strange. Yeah, they didn't look off trail. They didn't go beyond the trail. They just went around the trail. Considering the forest is far bigger than a little bit of trail, it seems an odd choice to me. But whatever. The Fruins and the Kramers at this point also offer up a $30,000 reward for information that might lead to their daughter's return. But no one had any to give. And I'd like to take this point in time to remind everyone that $30,000 is a ton of money in general. But it is especially a ton of money if you don't have a lot of money to begin with. So I feel that if somebody knew something, they probably would want some of that. Yeah, for sure. No one even tried. So the search continued for 10 more days, just 10, before the authorities said, okay, we're done, and then went back to their life. Hmm. I would be furious if that was my kid. And after 10 days, you were like, that's all we got. In May, Dutch authorities came back with, like, canine crews. They brought dogs to come out and look, but nobody found anything that way either, which isn't super surprising to me because, I mean, as good as dogs are, there's, like, a trillion animals out there. There's so many things to conflict. Yeah. Not a single trace of the girls had been found and would not be found for nine more agonizing weeks. Wow. At which time nobody was searching, mind you. Right. Just was just laid there. And then a break in the case came. And it was a very unusual break. On June 13th, in the village of Alto Romero, a woman walked into the police station and told the authorities she had discovered a blue backpack on the bank of the Culebra River while washing clothing that morning. This is an indigenous woman who lives out in the remote village of Alto Romero, and she was doing her thing. She also said that the backpack had a tag on it that read Lisan Frun. And the cops were like, oh, shit. Now, she did not go right to the cops. Okay. She told her husband, and then they told the person who owned the land they worked on, who happens to be Feliciano's brother. Okay. Because everybody knows everybody. It's a little tiny location. Yeah. A lot of people consider this action suspect. I think it's because they were nervous about the police. They're indigenous people. They don't necessarily want to go deal with the local police. They also don't want to look like they're incriminating themselves. They found these white girl's backpack. Like, I get it, but some people don't. So the cops then helicopter their way into Alto Romero because they're like, shit, we got to go. We got to show up big. And they do. And this, and by the way, this is nine miles away from Chris and Lisanne where they disappeared from El Mirador. So it's long. They, Mm. that went a long way. But the Culebra River um, does connect with rivers that flow through the Pianista. 
The police immediately retrieve the backpack and open it up. Much to their surprise, the backpack is in really good shape. There's a lot of arguments about um, if it was dirty or not, or if uh, the family that found it cleaned it off. But it was also in the river. So, I mean, that's going to be water. It's going to clean it off. The backpack was discovered stuck on um, some rocks. It didn't appear to be super waterlogged or damaged. It wasn't even that dirty. And inside, they found two bras, a disposable water bottle, two pairs of sunglasses, $83 in cash, two cell phones in plastic bags, which is very smart, Mm -hmm. Chris's iPhone 4 and Lisanne's Samsung Galaxy 3, and a black camera bag that contained a Canon SureShot digital camera. All three electronic devices still worked. And with a little charge, they powered right on. Hmm. Yep. Perhaps they could explain what happened to Chris and Lisanne. Maybe there was evidence of what happened to them on them. Well, there was. There was evidence, but it was not an explanation. Cell phones first, right? So the authorities immediately download all of the information on these cell phones. And Panamanian detectives could see that at approximately 4.39 p.m. on April 1st, just six hours into their hike, the first of many distress calls were made. Hmm. Chris's iPhone dialed 112, which is the Dutch emergency line. Hmm. Makes me sad. That's like her home. Right. Then 12 minutes later, Lisanne tried from her phone to call 112 as well. Neither call went through due to lack of service. And then there was nothing on the phones until the next day. The next morning, Chris's phone dialed 112 once. Lisanne's phone dialed 112 twice at 6.58 that morning, and then twice again a few hours later, at which point she also dialed 911 twice, which is the emergency line in Panama. None of the calls went through as there was still no reception wherever they were. When not in use, they turned their phones off to conserve the battery, which is really smart. They turned them on to look for signal or call the numbers and they turned them off right away. A few hours later, Lisanne's phone was turned on, presumably to look for signal. 911 and 112 were tried again. Then the phone is turned off. It's turned on again that evening, but no calls are made. The phone was left on all night. And the next morning, it was turned off. Man, batteries are not what they used to be. These girls got like days and days out of their cell phone battery life. Well, I feel like I wonder how new their phone was too. When my phone is like brand new, it's like I can go like days sometimes. Yeah, I guess you're right. On April 3rd, Chris's phone, thats now this is the other phone, so they're also alternating phones, which is really smart, mm-hmm. turned on in the morning. 911 is attempted twice, then it's turned off. A few hours later, she checks the signal. The phone is then powered off. That is what we assume they're doing when they just turn the phone off and on. Yeah. They're just like that looking for bars. Sense. Right. Yeah. And a few hours later, the signal is checked again. Then on April 4th, both girls turn on their phone twice to check for signals. They don't make any phone calls. Lisanne's phone is then turned on for the last time at 5 p.m., at which point her battery dies. I will remind you that at this time, locals had been out on the trail searching for them for three days. Why haven't they found them? They're out there alive. Between April 5th and 11th, because they are they're there doing stuff for that long, Chris's iPhone was turned off and on multiple times, but the correct pin was never entered. And people love this. They think it's like, like a, a thing, like someone's entering the wrong pin. But here's the thing iPhones at that generation cannot distinguish between no pin and the wrong pin. It was just turned on and she didn't enter. She just turned it on and then turned it off. Okay. Again, probably just to see if she had any signal. Yeah. I think they're really conserving battery as much as possible. Neither phone had any text attempts, photos, or messages left in the notes app. But then there's the digital camera. And this is what everybody remembers about this case. 
the digital camera had a lot more to offer. There were photos on April 1st of their hike. Mm-hmm. Of course, like you said, bring a camera, take some pictures. Yeah, exactly. They did that. They're hiking in the bright sunshine. The jungle is beautiful and green. The girls are in most of these photos looking happy and smiley and sweaty. There are photos of them at the Mirador together, smiling. But then there's also photos of them beyond the Mirador. So we know that they did not turn around. They kept going. Okay. We don't know why, but they did. And they're like crossing streams and climbing over rocks. The photos are time-stamped. And since the girls arrive at the Mirador just a couple hours into their hike, it was seemed that they continued beyond the summit for a few more hours and then they started dialing emergency. So they're a few hours into the other side. Then they, they're like, oh shit, we've got to call 911. Okay. The last sunny, like fun photo is of Chris standing on a rock in a stream with her hair tied back. She looks pretty tired. Then there's nothing on the camera for seven days. Then on April 8th, in the middle of the night, between 1 and 4 a.m., nope. there are 90 flash photos taken in relatively quick succession. <gasps> I hate it. I, I hate it so much. I, I hate it so much. So many days after they went missing, and then it's just 90 photos of the jungle. It is not them. They're not in any of the photos. Right. There is one photo of the back of Chris's head. We only know this because she's the redhead, and it's just like, matted hair. That's, that's it. The rest of them are blurry shots of rocks, dirt, trees, and um, raindrops falling, looking like you're laying on the ground and pointing the camera upward. Okay. Hate that so much. One photo shows a stick with pieces of red plastic bag tied to it. Looks like a trail marker or like a SOS, something they were trying to, you know, mark where they'd been. And then one shot is of it's like laying on the same plane as a rock and you can see torn up paper arranged in some kind of pattern and a small reflective disc lined up strategically. A lot of people say it's a mirror. It's the bottom of a Pringles can. Okay. Which means they either had a snack or they found some trash. Gotcha. But it looks like a, an SOS is what it looks like because what they had ripped up is a like a map and menu they had gotten at a local restaurant that they mm-hmm. had with them. Some pictures are like a fingertip on the lens. So they're just like a, bl- a bright flash. You can see the backpacks strap in one of them. They're all taken in complete and total darkness. So they're a flash into darkness and just whatever they're looking at. And then nothing. That's it. Ugh. Yeah. So that's, they don't really know what to make of any of this. I don't know what to make of any of this. Some people immediately go, Murder! I don't, but still, it's scary. Authorities begin searching along the Culebra River because that's where the backpack was found. And the second half of the trail, which is, didn't tell you this until now, known as the Serpent. No. Yep, that's what they call that because it's windy. A few miles from the backpack, they find Chris's denim shorts. Now, you had read something interesting about these shorts. How did you, how did you hear they were found? Uh, folded up neatly on a rock. Right. That's how a lot of people hear they were found. It is not true. In 2021, photos of like technically, I guess, crime scene photos, you would Mm -hmm. call them, are released. And they were found like wedged in between rocks in the river. They were not laid out neatly or on the bank of the river. They Mm -hmm. were, they had been like shoved, not shoved in, but like they were in nature, basically. But the searching doesn't stop at this point because they know the girls were alive for at least 10 days and they fucked that up before. Right. So they had to keep going. For two months, two months later, 
bones are discovered on the bank of the Culebra. Mm. The first discovery was a hiking boot with the foot still inside. Oh, man. Yep. And that foot and boot belonged to Lisanne. And guess who found it? Feliciano. Ooh. A lot of people find this very suspicious. He's the last person to see them. Then he finds their bones. He also was the person who searched the most. Mm-hmm. So statistically, I think he was going to find something. But you know what? You can think whatever you want. Next to the foot and boot, they found half a pelvis. <gasps> just half. Which belonged to Chris. The remainder of the bones they found uh, were scattered around in that area. One was a rib that belonged to Chris. There was a femur, a tibia, and a handful of other little bones, some of them belonging to each girl, and they were intermingled. The other thing uh, that's pretty curious about the remains is that they were in different states of decay. So Lisanne's foot was still in the boot. It was waterlogged and putrefied, but it was a whole foot together still with skin on it, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, while the rib bone that belonged to Chris that they found was not just bare, but looked bleached. People latch onto this too. Hard. Some bones were totally bare and dry, and the others still had bits of flesh clinging to them. They also found a large swath of Lisanne's skin. Just skin. Oof. Yep. But where were the skulls? That's the biggest bone there is, and none of them have, neither of them have ever been found, not even in fragments. What they could surmise from this is that the girls had died together because their bones are in the same places, together intermingled. But when and how and why did they take those pictures and why didn't they just go back to the Mirador and head back the way they came? If they were on the Serpent Trail alive for days and days, why didn't any of the searchers find them? Their last known living moment was on April 11th. There were people on that trail the whole time. Oh, wow. And there were not just people searching. There were people that just were on it. Could no one see them or hear them? I'm going to warn you guys right now, we don't get any more evidence. That's all. That's all we have. Wow. The rest of it is just analysis and speculation. Mm. The Panamanian government did release an official cause of death, in their opinion, years and years later. And it's basically, you know, just what they could surmise, which I will get to shortly. But a lot of people don't trust it. There are a lot of theories, like a lot, a lot, a lot. But they all boil down to a few basic facts. And from there, you get to choose your own adventure. So... We know the girls got to the Mirador unharmed. The first question is, why did they keep going? There is a sign that says the the trail is over. Time to go back, remember? But also, let's remember their Spanish isn't great. (laughs) And there is a trail that keeps going on the other side. And the trail and the sign is not super duper visible to read. It is now, but it wasn't then. They could have easily thought that this trail was a loop, like a lot of trails are. And then they just kept walking. Or They could have just wanted to explore more. Maybe they thought like, we're going to keep going into the jungle. It's going to be awesome. This isn't encouraged, but they were like, you know, young and full of bravery. There was a beaten path and many indigenous people used it to travel. So maybe they just wanted to go look around. Also, there's a secret waterfall an hour down that path that people really like to go to. Yeah, maybe they were like, let's go to the secret waterfall. Yeah, Take some Instagram pictures. Exactly. Or something made them run. Something scared them on the trail near the Mirador and forced them to run into the jungle. Okay. Or they were abducted in and around the Mirador and just forced into the woods. Okay. Or they were abducted and taken away by force. Those are our options. So if we are choosing our own adventure, let's say they thought the trail was a loop. Okay. Mm -hmm. If that's what they thought, then they just kept going. Things would have gotten curious for them at about 
four to five hours in as they knew the expected length of the trail was around four. And they're better at this than I am. I just walked in the Pine Barrens for like 10 hours and didn't notice. Anyway, so calling for emergency services just around this time makes total sense. They were like, oh, something's wrong. We have gone too far. We have to call someone to come and get us. Yeah, that does make sense. It aligns perfectly. Mm -hmm. And we're familiar with this line of thinking. It's a loop. Just keep going. Yeah. It's a deceptive thing because you really do think just a little bit further and I'll be there. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, the way they were going, they would never be. So, I mean, but here's the thing. We don't, we don't know. We don't know for certain, though, that they thought it was a loop. No, or, we don't. We okay. just know they kept going. Because I would, I mean, I would think that they would have looked at that trail and known, like, they go up and they come back. Like, at least that, that main part of the trail. Uh -uh. And like you said, though, there might have been, like, if, like, beyond that trail, there's, like, a waterfall. Maybe they were like, oh, let's go there. But, like, I mean, we'll never know. Yeah. But I would, I would have thought, like, these girls don't seem, I don't know. They, there's a lot of other planning that they've done. I just think this was also not part of their extensive planning. This happened very maybe, spur of the moment. Yeah. And they hadn't taken a guide. They hadn't done all yeah, of the work. Yeah, maybe it was work. just something that they, like, heard about. Yeah. And then we're like, oh, let's go. Yeah. I don't think they did enough of their due diligence. I okay. think they normally would have, but they were put in a position where they just wanted to find yeah. something to do. Yeah. So they didn't do the amount of legwork they would have put into it otherwise. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, but you know what? Maybe they also did just want to keep going. Maybe they're like, it's pretty. We're out here. Let's look at some more jungle. Yeah. Maybe we'll see a toucan. Maybe they were chasing something pretty. I have no idea. There's a lot of beautiful birds out there. I think the minute the dog stopped following, I'd be like, let's go back. Oh, we're done. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Oh, my God. So but th th that brings you to a great point. Why not just turn around? Yeah. But maybe it wasn't that simple. Perhaps they couldn't find the trail they came in on after they winded mm -hmm. around for a little while. And they were also incredibly ill-prepared for the terrain they found themselves on. They could have slipped downward or had mm -hmm. to avoid something muddy and, and went off trail. Mm -hmm. Or they could have been injured or at the very least mm -hmm. exhausted. They didn't bring any more than one disposable bottle of drinking water either. So maybe they took a shortcut off the path towards the river to find some drinking water. Because a lot of people say this very clear, cool river has drinkable water. I think that is suspicious. I, but yeah, that suspects me. I, I People drink it all the time. I think but it what, would give you what diarrhea. People? What people? People who are hiking. Like the people that live there and have been drinking it forever. Probably. Like, I mean, and tourists. But, you yeah. know, they're not going to tell you they immediately got diarrhea. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, I guess some is fine, but I would think no. It's also impossible to start a fire out there because, well, first, they don't have anything to do that with. But even if they were expert woodsmen and could do it with some rocks or, or a bow and a stick, yeah. everything is wet. Yeah. You, there's, you can't burn anything. It's impossible. Yeah. You are in clouds where it continually rains. So that's not happening. So maybe they found they went to found some drinking water. Okay, whatever the case is, they almost certainly didn't or couldn't make any progress in the right direction before it began to get dark that night. Mm. Because the sun sets at around seven o'clock at that point in time. But it gets dark in the rainforest more quickly due to the dense leaf canopy. So as soon as the sun starts sinking, it's dark. And at that point, the temperature plummets and it gets cold out yeah. there. And they're in tank tops and shorts and they have nothing to cover themselves with. And they're wet. Chris and Lestan, I'm sure, would not have known what to do in this situation. 
They then have to spend the very, very, very dark night in the now very cold and rainy jungle full of animals and nocturnal birds and scorpions and snakes and spiders the size of your palm. It's not great. And they go on to do this for many more nights. For the folks who do not think this was an abduction or murder, so on this side of your choose-your-own-adventure territory, it is almost universally agreed upon that at some time after this first night, one or both of the girls got injured. It is very rocky, muddy, and slippery on the Serpent Trail, and there are cliffs, steep inclines, um, and you can avoid stepping on some of the, like, water areas by going over cable bridges. They call them monkey bridges, Mm -hmm. where your, like, feet are on one cable and you're holding on to the others. It's very perilous. This is how indigenous people cross the, like, rocky little streams. And it would be very easy verging on inevitable to fall at some point. And if one girl was immobilized, what could they do at that point? Did the other one climb down and try to get her wherever she fell and then injure themselves as well? Mm. Were they both injured? How long did this take to happen? Or did one girl get hurt and the other one didn't leave her? That's a hard choice. Yeah. Are you going to leave your friend who cannot move in the dense rainforest to go out and hopefully find civilization? You don't know you're going to do it, though, by yourself? I don't know. No, I know. That's, Or did they stay put and hope to be found? All these things are possible. But how else could you become immobilized out in the jungle? Because it's not just falling down. Well, let's start with with what you might see. Howler monkeys, tropical birds, a sloth, tree frogs, hummingbirds, tapirs, jaguars, scorpions, tarantulas, venomous spiders, venomous snakes, and lots and lots of birds. We're not going to talk about the birds just yet, but there are plenty of bitey things that could take you out, especially if you were starving and dehydrated and perhaps had violent diarrhea from amoebic dysentery that you contracted from drinking river water. Mm-hmm. Plug your ears, Leslie. No, we don't need to talk about it. We really do, because it's a big theory that people don't explore too much. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to. I know you don't. Okay. The Panamanian rainforest is home to pit vipers. Ugh. Um, and they have a very venomous bite. And if you get bitten by one of them, things will get ugly very quickly. Symptoms of a pit viper, viper snake bite usually appear within a few minutes to a few hours and after a bite. And they may include severe immediate pain with rapid swelling, bruising, trouble breathing, changes in heart rate or rhythm, a metallic rubbery or minty taste in your mouth, numbness or tingling around your mouth, tongue, scalp, feet, or the bite area, swelling in your lymph nodes near the bite, and then you can go into shock. Other symptoms include fainting or feeling like you might faint. That's not great in the jungle. Sweating, having chills, being sick to your stomach and vomiting, or feeling weak and dizzy. I have all of those right now. I know. Now, most people will survive this if they're healthy and just, you know, going about their business. But if you're someone who's been starving in the jungle for days, that's very different. Right. You're already incredibly weak. Mm-hmm. And this will make you like hallucinating and sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, probably, yeah, obviously they're probably already dehydrated. So, yeah. If they had, you know, if the river water wasn't clean, that's dehydrating them even more. Yep, because they have, yeah, uh, like parasites or bacteria in them. Yeah. That water has giardia in it sometimes, which makes you violently ill. Mm-hmm. So there's also the possibility that they were hungry enough to eat something toxic. If you're starving and out in the jungle and you see fruit, you might just eat that fruit without knowing what it is. Perhaps they came across a machineal tree. The machineal is thought by many to be the world's most dangerous tree. It is indigenous to Central America and the Caribbean. 
In Central America, the locals call it manzita de la muerte, which means little apple of death. <laughs> cute. So cute. Mm-hmm. This name originates from the small apple-shaped fruits produced by the tree. When ingested, the fruits are reported to have a nice sweet taste. However, moments after you eat them, your mouth will start tingling, your throat will start tingling, and it quickly progresses into burning. And then it leads to blistering of your mouth and throat and respiratory failure and symptoms. Sounds awful. It is awful. Sounds like what Snow White was given. Oh, no. <laughs> Terrible. But like also, the queen would have. they're out there. That's yeah. possible. In this set of scenarios, the most likely uh, like answer to this is that the girls got lost on accident. They survived pretty well for a few days, tried to call 911. Then an event occurred. Something happened where one of them was injured or sick or both of them. And then they eventually perished from their injuries or sickness and mm -hmm. exposure. I mean, if if they were, I mean, they definitely became dehydrated. For sure. And that also causes hallucinations. Yep. So who knows, like, where they were at at that point with, like, things that they might be doing. We should also consider the fact that they, it doesn't seem like it, but they could have had hypothermia. It doesn't mm -hmm. need to be freezing out to get hypothermia. No. If you're wet all the way through yeah. and it is cold enough, like 50 degrees even, mm -hmm. you can develop hypothermia. And overnight, this was very possible for the girls. Every night. This sounds so awful. It is awful. Mm. Hypothermia leads to a lot of really strange symptoms too. It can make you tired. It can make you sick. It can make you dizzy. It can also make you take off all your clothes. Right. As we learned in the Dyatlov Pass episode many, many moons ago. But we did find Chris's shorts just laying there. Right. So that's a possibility no one seems to think of. What about those photos, though, right? Why were they taking a bunch of pictures? There are also several good explanations for that. The first is pretty simple. Light. The girls could have been randomly shooting off the camera flash to see things mm -hmm. just because they wanted light or to try and signal someone to see them yeah. in the darkness with that's the flash. That's what I was initially thinking. Yes. Like, I mean, that's a very logical thought. Mm -hmm. People are still searching at that point. Yeah. I, I hate to think about this, and I'll go into it a little more in a minute, but like they could have heard them. They could have seen the helicopters and yeah. been trying to signal them. But the jungle is loud. Yeah. And they could have been screaming their heads off and no one heard them. Yeah. It's loud and the, it's thick mm -hmm. too, so. It swallows sound. Yeah. Absolutely. So... Maybe they didn't want to signal people. Maybe they just wanted to see what was crawling around around them. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just explained that there's a lot of scary stuff. Ugh. And it's not just the flash. A cannon power shot emits a green light when it's priming to take a photo. So when you're getting ready to snap it or when you have a timer on, a little green light goes on. So you can see by that little green light and then a minute or so later, the flash goes off. So they might have been timing that green light too. Okay. That's why every minute or so it would go off because the green light would go out, flash, they'd turn it on again, have a minute or so of green light, flash, do it again. So they could have just been trying to see. Yeah. That's why these pictures look like they're nothing. But they also could have been a breadcrumb trail. I do this all the time because I get lost all the time. Mm -hmm. If I park far away from my destination, I'll take pictures of landmarks to remember how to get back to my car. Mm -hmm. In this regard, and this makes me really sad, so if you believe they're a breadcrumb trail, a lot of people think that at this point, one of the girls had died or become so seriously ill or injured that they couldn't, they were clearly not going to move from where they were. 
and um, the other girl took the pictures so that she could help people find her friend. Mm -hmm. That would make sense. Which makes perfect sense. It is really sad to think about, but that's, I think, the most likely of all the outcomes, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. And there is one picture that is the back of Chris's head, which would indicate that it was Lisanne taking pictures. Okay. So Mm. some people suspect that at this point, Chris could have been dead. Oh. I don't know that she was necessarily dead. I think maybe she was injured, but. Okay. Oh. I know. Isn't that scary? Like the picture could have just been her laying there dead. Ugh. They also found out that one of the photos on this roll had been deleted and people really fixate on this. Because it's the picture that is in between like the smiley, happy, sunny pictures and the beginning of the night pictures. Mm. But the Panamanian government also downloaded all these pictures and messed with them. They rotated them all and they poked around in them. Mm. And it would have been very easy for them to either accidentally delete something or just delete a repetitious one they thought wasn't useful. Or maybe it was maybe the picture was totally black. We don't know what it was. It's in the jungle. If they if they aimed it directly like at their lap or something, it wouldn't have showed anything. Right, right. People really fixate on this. They think it was like a third party who took, who they were then in the picture and then they deleted it so you didn't see who it was. Mm-hmm. Still other people think that, this also makes me sad, that it was like a selfie and when they saw what they looked like, they deleted it. Mm, yeah. Also very likely for young girls. Yeah. That they like took pictures of themselves. Uh, that makes me really sad. Huh. Anyway. I mean, even if it was just to see what they... I mean, well, I guess they could see themselves in the because this the is the digital camera that they would have to flip oh, it around. The digital camera. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. So they wouldn't have seen themselves. That's right. And they're not opening their phone camera at all that mm-hmm. we know of. And as I mentioned before, the timing of the phone calls matches up with these theories. The checking for their battery life, the pictures, everything really kind of lines up for this. And you know, there also the photos could have been a strange fever dream if they were all messed up and they were just kind of doing what they could to survive. You right, know, right. there's a lot of options. But the bones, Holly, explain the weird bones. Why are there bones all over the place? I feel like this is the easiest one to explain. Yeah. Right? Everyone is like, oh, one was bleached and they were everywhere. I, have you never, they never seen an animal one time in their life before? Right. Panama is home to four species of vulture. Four. And they're big, very big. Vultures are well-known uh, carrion birds, and a group of them can dispatch a human body in as little as 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's, okay. like, gone. And they don't do it neatly. A group of vultures could easily spread remains out for miles, and that's not giving any credit to other carnivores in the area, like the harpy eagle. Oh. I feel like you guys don't know what a harpy eagle is, but you do know what a harpy eagle is. So we're just going to talk about it for one second. First of all, it's the national bird of Panama. And second of all, it's terrifying. And this is why you know what it is. They're huge and have a huge ruffle of feathers around their face. They look like Buckbeak the Hippogriff from the Harry Potter books. And a few years ago, a meme circulated featuring one sitting with a zookeeper. Oh, wow. It was in a forced perspective. So the bird looks like it's five feet tall. They're not, but they are like three and a half feet tall. And people were like, oh my God, it's the biggest, scariest bird in the world. So yeah, that's where you would have seen it. Uh, A female can be up to 41 inches tall and weigh as much as 20 pounds. Oh, my God. And birds have hollow bones. That's all bird. Yeah, that's wild. And they don't eat little things. They eat monkeys and sloths. Oh, my God. They carry away like a whole ass sloth. God. I know. Now, these birds are also apex predators, but they aren't responsible for humans' deaths. But if you were, say, I don't know, 
laying on the ground of the jungle, injured, unconscious, or dead, they could absolutely take a very large piece of you with them and fly away. Yeah. Ooh, I know. That's not even taking into account like jaguars and stuff. But, you know, people want to say it's a mystery. Birds of play also easily explain why some bones would have been picked clean and others still had flesh on them. As can the diverse conditions in the area. Like birds are not going to eat the same amount. Some take them with them. Some pieces Mm. don't get eaten at all. You know, like a foot in a boot. (sighs) A lot of people want to say that rib bone was bleached by a serial killer or a voodoo priestess. But they're not giving any credence to the fact that even though there's not a lot of sun in this area because of the like dappled structure of the leaves, it could have sat in very acidic soil for a long period of time or animal excrement. Did you know that vultures poo and vomit acid? No. They do. Well, there you go. Yeah, and sometimes it's enough to eat through a roof. Oof. If you don't think that could make bones white, I don't know what you're doing in life. Wow. Yep. One forensic examiner also said that the, um, the white bone, which was a rib bone, could have been staining from a substance called adipocere, which is a soapy byproduct that occurs when humans decompose slowly in water. Right, right. Lines up with everything we have said thus mm-hmm. far as well. Now, according to the Panamanian government, after analyzing all the night photos, they did discover in the back of one when they lightened it, a cable bridge. Like I said, those monkey bridges. Mm-hmm. In the background, what they think, the theory that they have published and said this is what happened, is that the girls went too far on the serpent trail and got lost. They survived for as long as they could, but then one of them fell from the bridge down and tumbled down off a cliff. The other girl then tried to climb down to rescue her and also ended up falling. Mm. They were both very injured and ended up sitting in the bottom of a ravine until they perished because of their injuries. Then because they were in a little stream, again, hypothermia and stuff, it took their bodies and backpacks downstream and connected with the Culebra River. Because backpacks float, you guys, they do. Yeah. It's part of it. And it's true. Then also, like, they took off their bras because bras are awful and they were out in the jungle for 10 days. I probably would have done that too. Um, They had money with them because they had to pay cab drivers and they had to eat. People are all weird about cash too. Of course you brought cash. Mm -hmm. And the rest we've explained. The most horrific part of all of that is that they were alive and not that far from searchers at the time of the search. Ooh. But they just didn't line up. Oh, and nobody so found awful them. To hear. I know. It's terrible that they like heard the helicopters circling overhead and they just couldn't get their attention. Yeah. Some people say this is because they like just didn't see them. Others are like, well, they were injured and on the ground under cover or they crawled into a um a little cave somewhere. Mm. If they found a cave, good for them because it was raining the whole time. Right. Yep. For the record, if you ask me, I think they thought the trail would loop around eventually. Whether they thought it was a total loop or they just thought that trail would take them back to the beginning eventually, that's what I think they thought. And that they went too far and got lost and eventually injured. I think relatively far into their documented time out there, one of them died and the other didn't want to leave her. Yeah. And then I think nature took them away and their backpack floated down the river. I hate it, but I think that's it. Yeah. I hope they at least like licked a poison tree frog and tripped their face off in the end because they could have done that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. So fine, for a brief minute before we finish, we'll talk about the possibility that it was murder. I don't like this. Okay. I'm going to say it to start. I don't like this. It feels like a conspiracy theory in a lot of ways. There is no way to 
There's no facts to back any of it up. Mm-hmm. And I like facts. So this bothers me. Also, a lot of the indigenous people in the area find this to be racist. And I don't love that either. Mm. So here we go. Here right. are what people think. I'm just going to reel them off really quickly. Some people think that because um, it borders, Panama has a border to Colombia, that it was a drug trafficking, situ- trafficking situation. Okay. Where they saw something they shouldn't have and then they were killed for it. Okay, okay. Possible. Why were they alive for like 10 days then? And where are those pictures from? Sure. Bothers me with that one. But some people say that they were ta- they were kidnapped by these drug traffickers mm-hmm. and they were forced to like be drug mules, but then it didn't go well and they ended up killing them or something. I don't know. They were like, you don't speak Spanish. <laughs> you said you speak intermediate Spanish. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Adios. Some people think it was a gang that yeah. came across them and as like a rite of passage, they killed them. Mm. Just just straight up murdered them in the jungle. But and also again. they were alive for so long that to me does not add up in any way. Fine. Some people think that they were sex trafficked because they really are like the perfect candidate for that. They're two pretty white girls. Right. But it also doesn't describe why they were out there alive for so long. Right. Like how they could have had access to their phone for that They long. had their phone. Yeah. Why are they calling emergency numbers? The first thing a trafficker would do would take away all their belongings. They mm-hmm. wouldn't let that happen. Okay. Or some people are like, well, that's where they were trafficked and people were, were assaulting them out in the jungle. Horrible thing to think. But okay, that's what they think. Then some people go really wild. And they say they were kept in a cave so they could harvest their organs and sell them. Yeah, well, that happened. Yeah, you know, in the jungle with no medical supplies where the organs are going to like immediately go bad. But whatever. They said they were kept alive where they slowly picked them apart and sold their pieces. There's just like a freezer chest in the cave. I know, right? (laughs) We didn't find that one that has the big freezer. to an outlet. Yeah, plugged in. Yeah. (laughs) In the wilderness. Plugged right into the rock wall there. You know how you do. Yeah. Right, Mm -hmm. of course. I'm sure there's like a creature out there that's just like full of electricity. Just zaps it. Yeah. Or a big block of ice. Exactly. They just keep replenishing through the jungle for five hours. Yep. Yeah, all of this makes perfect sense. Some people also say that they um, were drained of all their blood and they slowly sold their blood. Okay. Okay. I mean, we all need validation. I guess. That's how we, that's how we get it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Some people suspect they were kidnapped, but this was quickly put out of any options because there was no ransom note and there was an award offered for them. If you just kidnapped them, you were doing it for money. Why wouldn't you take the money? Maybe they forgot. They're like, shit, now I have these girls. They're like, I know I'm forgetting something. Let's just feed them to birds. Yeah. <laughs> Some people, now this, this is a little more logical to me. Some people say that they think they were sexually assaulted on or near the Mirador or just plain assaulted, but they got away from their attackers by running into the jungle. Okay. So Fine. even just the idea that they were running away from something yes. could be, okay. Yeah. The other thing that's out there is um, wild dogs. There's a farm that has dogs that like run around and growl at people. This is well documented on every travel site about Il Pianista. Maybe they were being chased by a dog. We don't know. They ran away from something and ran into the woods. It could have been a dog. It could have been a sexual assault. It could have been a predator. We don't know. But if that's the case, then, you know, go back to page 26 where they're lost and then all of that stuff happens. Mm -hmm. The rest is still true, right? Right. This one is just hinging on why they went into the jungle. Okay. 
but a lot of weird shit happened in the jungle. This year on January 14th, 15 villagers were found dead in the Iglesia de Dios church deep in the rainforest of the Panama, of Panama's Caribbean coast. They had been beaten with machetes and Bibles, and some of their tongues had been burned with hot embers in attempt to rid them of the devil by a terrifying new cult called Nueva Luz del Dios, New Light of God. So weird and horrible shit absolutely can happen out there. Fine. This is why I don't go to church. (laughs) Or jungle church. Yeah. Definitely not jungle church. Don't go to that one. So I think there's possibilities that something befell them and they were scared and they ran. I don't think they were just straight up killed. Right. Then there are the people that think there was a third party involved from the very beginning. Someone who stalked them from town, followed them there, then kidnapped them, brought them to another location and killed them at that other location, then went back to the jungle with their phones and camera, faked all the calls, faked all the pictures, then went back to the place where they were holding them and dismembered their bodies and then brought the parts back to the jungle. No. That is a lot of steps. Yeah. I, I, do, I don't, and you know what? So many people really, really, really believe this theory. They really believe it. They say it happens in a place called the House of the Crow in Alto Romero, which is populated by other gang members. Mm-hmm. And there have been other suspicious deaths out in the area that are linked to gangs. So people really, really, really want to connect these. But to me, it just doesn't make sense. Why are Mm. you trying that hard? You wanted to kill these girls. You could have just killed them. True. You don't have to go into the jungle and fake a shit ton of calls. I don't know. That's my exact point. It just, I don't know. None of these seem to add up to me. And also faking all those photos. Why would you do that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that it doesn't really make sense. The other like uh, murder theory with those photos is that they were trying to take a picture of the person who had brought them there. But they took 90 photos and not a single one of them had him in there. I don't like it. I don't don't like like it either. And then they say that the one deleted photo is the one where they did capture the person. And then the person went into like they took the the chip out of the camera downloaded it into their computer, deleted just that one picture, put the memory card back in and put the the camera back into their bag. No, that's too complicated. There is so many levels. You would just destroy it. You would just destroy the whole ass camera. Phones too. You would just destroy that shit. A broken phone in the jungle could get broken in any way. Right. Why would you do that? It's too much effort. People also like to loop a shady eye back around to the Spanish school, the hostel, the boys they met in Boca del Toro, the Dutch boys, or any locals they partied with. Mm -hmm. But there's no evidence that any of them did anything. And those Dutch boys from the beach were home by April 1st. Okay. This is why it's important for us to understand that the girls didn't speak super good Spanish and things on this trip did not go as planned. Yeah. They were not acting in accordance to their usual behavior. This is mm-hmm. outside the norm. And when you deviate from the plan, shit goes wrong. They weren't out in the world doing great with their fluent Espanol. They couldn't have held their own with locals or rightly explained their situation to anyone they came across. They also were supposed to be working at a daycare. I just think that things went awry. Yeah, unfortunately, I do too. Forensic pathologists also stated that the bones that they found from the girls did not have any cutting or hacking marks on them. And if they were dismembered, you would have seen Mm -hmm. that, especially on half a pelvis. Right, right. 
There were, however, evidence that they were picked out by scavengers. Okay. So that just gives credence to my theory. There is a whole host of things that people believe. And what I found the most interesting about this case actually is that people tend to go into it very rationally and do a ton of really amazing research and then take a hard left and really double down on it. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand why. I mean, I, I think we're really looking for a way to tie it to other things that have happened. Yeah, I just, I think that there is like just, just a sprinkle of oddness yeah. to it. And without us having like any other real connection. Yeah. You know, like we don't know why they went past that point. We don't. And, and we, we never will. we don't know how they got lost. Like even if it was as simple as like, let's just go a little bit further. Mm-hmm. But then, like, I do think about the idea of them running away from something because it could have been anything. Absolutely. I mean, it could have been anything that just turned them around. Sure. And then they were no longer, like, aware of, like, wait, which direction did we go in? Like, like, there's jaguars out there. It could have been anything. It It could have been, like, is that a cat in a tree? It could have been. It could have been. And it could have been someone that was trying to attack them. I'm not going to rule that out. Maybe someone chased them. It also could have been somebody they thought was creepy but didn't mean them harm. Right. Sometimes when you're out there in the, like, somewhere remote alone, everything is scary. I just feel like if it was a person, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, and maybe not, maybe not, but I feel like if there was a person involved in this, that that would, I feel like we wouldn't find that out. Like, that might be something that we would yeah. learn, you know. Yeah, and they did like DNA test person, the backpack. Oh, I did, you know, like this, I think that this person was the last person to talk to them or like anything. If there was like somebody. Especially the fact that there's money now. Yeah. And they did DNA test the backpack. They found like 32 different DNAs on it. But I, I, people quickly say, oh, that's because it was passed around. Or it's because they traveled everywhere with that backpack. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. They also found like river weeds and sand in it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean the backpack changed hands after the girls put it down. It means that at some point in time, people touched it. Right. So I, I just don't have any, I, I can't base anything on that either. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense to me. People also want to blame Feliciano because he's flirty with some lady hikers. Okay. They like to say that he like was part of a trafficking ring or something because he puts the hand, his hand on the small of ladies' backs to guide them around sometimes, and people say that that's molesting them. Um, He's just Spanish. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people are like, oh, he wanted us to come up to his ranch. His ranch must be sinister. But then I found um, people who did go up to his ranch, okay. and they photo-documented the whole thing, and, and, and it's just a ranch where he grows coffee, and he's pretty proud of it, and so he makes you coffee, and then you can buy beans that he harvested, and he gives you free bananas. <laughs> These people, he was like, you want to come have coffee at my ranch? And they were like, yeah, all right. And he was like, do either one of you want milk in your coffee or take milk in your coffee? And one person was like, oh, yeah, I do. And he drove to the supermarket to get milk to accommodate them because he didn't have any at home. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. He seemed, well, and that doesn't strike me as odd because he went to this these girls' the girl's house yeah. where they were staying to be like, hi, they missed the eight o'clock tour. Same. Like, I, he clearly just doesn't have anything else to do. Yeah, this guy's a guide. That's his whole thing. That's his whole thing. He had nothing else to do. 
And uh, so, yeah, so go people enjoy think a cup of coffee at yeah. his ranch. People think it's really weird that he found their bones. And I honestly just think it's because he looked the most. I would think so, yeah. I th- He seemed the most concerned. Yeah. Because he's um, out there all the time, too. I think, like, if that, if you're on this, like, treacherous mm-hmm. trail all the time and you're like, I I think this is bad, you guys. Like, but if they didn't is, come back. But I, this is wild, though. They He didn't find them for months. No. Right? It was a while. No, it was after the authorities said, we're going to start searching along the Culebra River. So, okay. I mean, they did give some instruction. Like, here's where the bag was found. We're going to start looking here. And he was like, okay, I'll look there, too. Yeah, but wasn't the bag, the bag wasn't found for, like, a long time, right? Yeah, no. The bag was found nine weeks afterwards. Nine and then weeks. they relearned. Okay. They started searching again. They okay, were like, oh, okay. we're going to go on the banks of this river and we're going to look here. They didn't think to look in Alto Romero or in that mm-hmm. area because it was like nine miles away. Right. And they didn't think the girls got that far. Maybe they did. And also maybe they didn't. Maybe after things happened, mm-hmm. that's where they were carried off to. Yeah. Maybe they made it halfway there. We don't know. And there's no way to tell. Oof. Yeah. This, I... I feel like it's just a sadder story. Yeah. Like, a, like you said, like almost like your worst nightmare, like when you really think about it. Yeah. You're out there and there's nothing you can do and no one can hear you scream and they are looking for you, but they just missed you. And if they were alive for that many days. It's a long time to stay alive. And then to not be found. Yep. That's They awful. really tried. And a lot of survivalists who have looked at this case, and there are many, yeah. that's what they think happened. They're like, no, they actually did a great job. For as long mm-hmm. as they did. They really did. They used what they had, which wasn't much. Mm-hmm. They didn't prepare beforehand. But once they got into trouble, they did handle it pretty well. Mm-hmm. It, you just can't handle it forever. I would have just laid down and gone to sleep. I know. You would have had to tear sleep through it. Oh. But then you would have been like covered in spiders. It would have been terrible. That's. I, but I've gone camping before and that's still my, my route. I'm just like, just fall asleep. They're going to crawl on you. You just find those poison dart frogs and you lick it. And then you just trip balls for a while. No. Fine. You don't, don't know, know what's going on. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to trip around snakes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it falls into the category of when something goes wrong, we need a bad guy. When there are no answers, we need someone to blame. When the lights go out, we need a monster. And even if when morning comes, there's nothing under the bed, when the lights go out again that night, he'll be there. Ugh. Holly. I mean, that's just what it is. We need to blame someone. And I do not blame their families at all for, for what, yeah. like, searching down that avenue because really, you don't want to think that, that your kids just wandered out and yeah. died with people right there. And they didn't find them. Well, that's what I mean. Like, that's what makes it so hard and so heartbreaking. But also, like, I can understand because when the police don't jump on things. And that's a big part of this. You get get suspicious. You're just like, well, why? Like, do they know something? Are they hiding something? Why won't they go? And a lot of times it's just that, like, they are just not caring. And professional search and rescue wasn't out until the 6th. Right. And perhaps, and Feliciano has been quoted as in the Daily Beast article that is like the definitive source for this, Mm -hmm. as saying that he strongly believes that if Cineproc and police had gone out on the first or second, they Mm -hmm. would have found them. They're like, those girls, he said, those girls could have been found. It's the fact that the authorities didn't go out early enough that is why they never found them. They had wound their way way too deep at that point. 
looking for a signal for their phone, most likely, because they probably traveled a little every day trying Mm -hmm. to find town or find a signal. And then they were just too far gone. Mm. It's awful. Yep. Yeah. And it's hard to see. I mean, like, you know, if you have like helicopters above, it's hard to see down there, you know. Exactly. You just it's a canopy of Mm -hmm. trees. You're not if they're in the dense Mm -hmm. part of the forest. You're not going to see them from an You're aerial view. See them. No, it's almost like that they're more looking for like the open spaces that they could be in. Exactly. Which would have been a great place to stay. But then it also leaves you totally exposed. Right. Like I said, you need to blend in to be safe. Exactly. They had but to then stay. you need to stand out at the right point. So if they crawled in a cave to, to hide yeah. and because they're hurt or they're sick, no one's yeah. going to see them. Right. It was just a confluence of horrible events, I think. If you guys want to go down the murder rabbit hole on this one, I I don't love it. But you can. There are definitely a million places where you can read a lot, a lot, a lot of theories. And, uh, you know, Godspeed if that's what you want to do. But I am I am inclined to believe that there is no foul play here. It's just mm. a very tragic event. Yeah. So, toast? Toast. Um, to Chris and Lisanne. They really did try. Well, they really did. They survived so much longer than I would have. I would have been yeah. like, no. I know. Well, I mean, I don't know, Holly. Like you say, you can sometimes handle. I am good in a crisis. crisis. And yeah. I do know wilderness stuff. I just have no sense of direction. Yeah, I mean, if you were there by yourself. Dead. You know, but maybe somebody else would have the directional part. Yeah, if you were there and you could like make directions, I I yeah. could do I do okay in the wilderness. Yeah. I do I do feel like I have a good sense of direction, mm-hmm. but it like I I would just need that moment to I would need to remember that stop acronym to just like yep. stop, be calm, like and then figure it out. But if I if I stay like like almost like nervous or yeah. anxious, then I'll like second guess. But I don't think I would have drank river water, though. I would have collected rain in a little leaf. Yeah. It rained the whole time. You could yeah. drink rainwater. I would drink rainwater over river water, probably. Yeah. hmm For sure. I'm thinking of, like, Fern Gully right now. Yeah. Just a little cute like little Like a little leaf. leaf. Just drinking some water. Although it probably is river water that just got sucked up and rained back down on me. So, whatever. Quite possibly. <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, in my opinion, that's just really, that's it, man. Okay. You know? Well, that was interesting. I've never heard of this before. Oh, no? No. I've I've heard it on a couple other podcasts. Yeah. A lot of them go heavy into, like, the trafficking possibility yeah. where they're, like, they think that they were kidnapped and trafficked. But to me, the fact that they were alive for so long, and we know that for a fact, and we know that they were, like, taking pictures and calling 911 on their own phones right. leads me to believe that they weren't. Yeah. So that's what that's how I feel. This one doesn't feel like that. I think no. if they had access to their phones and they were trafficked, that like the images, I think, would have been different. But also, yep. also they would have if something ended up happening to them, like the those people would have found their phones like they would have yeah, had. Absolutely. They would have had their phones at some point and then like broken them like we never would have seen them. Yeah. Like that, those phones. People, would be people gone who really that. try to believe that hard say that they did take their phones right away. They just faked it and right. they tried to call 911 
But I, I said that's so that's way more effort than anybody who is that's in the business of trafficking. No, people. they if anything, they would have just thrown the backpack in the, immediately. The, they would have just then, scattered it all to the wind. They would have yeah. broken the phones and thrown them in the river and then just just gone. Yeah. At least we think so. That's yeah, I mean, that's what I think. I just maybe I'm wrong, but I um sometimes you can't go looking for monsters. Yeah. But anyway. If we were lost in the wilderness on a trail we thought was a loop, not that we've ever done that before, so if mm-hmm. if that happened to us, but this time in the Panamanian jungle, we, we would, would be, be dead. Thank you for listening to the We Would Be Dead podcast. Hit subscribe now to never miss an episode. Rate and review our show on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at WouldBeDeadPod. And join our Facebook group to discuss the podcast and more. Did you know that vultures poo and vomit acid?